0: Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text, a weekly podcast where a couple pastor scholars dig into a scriptural text related to the time of year we are at in the uh, Christian calendar and just explore that text and see what emerges from it. Hopefully it'll be of some equipping to pastors and teachers who might be leading others in knowledge of the scriptures, as well as anyone who listens in, that it might be edifying and enjoyable for all. I'm your host, John Drury. I teach uh, systematic theology and spiritual formation uh, for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. And my special guest this week is my first repeat guest And that is Amanda Drury. That's right. We share last name because she is my wife, but also colleague here at IWU. She is the director of the Imaginarium and a professor of practical theology and youth ministry and a traveling speaker and a writer and a whole bunch of other things. I mean, she's amazing and does lots of things and... Hoping to have her on as regularly as she'll um, allow. Uh, so maybe not as uh, constant in the every week routine with uh, like with Aaron, but she's hopefully going to be on uh, with some regular rhythm. We're still sorting that out, but I'm so glad that she was willing to come back again and that she's uh, enjoying it and locked into to being on frequently. So because she really is uh, one of my favorite guests and favorite people. Uh, for all kinds of obvious, wonderful reasons. So um, we hope that you'll enjoy this week. It's the third week of Easter coming up, and the text is from John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. So I hope you enjoy the show. <laughs> So here I am with uh, Amanda Drury, and uh, we're looking at the um, third Sunday of Easter. The reading for which is John 21, verses one through 19. So, would you be willing to uh, read?
1: Sure. For us? Oh, I have two different versions. Which one do I want to read? Ooh. Okay. This is the ESV. Okay. John 21. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Because he said to himself the third time, "'Do you love me?' And he said to him, "'Lord, you truly know everything. You know that I love you.' Jesus said to him, "'Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God.' And after saying this, he said to him, follow me.
0: Word of the Lord. Thanks be (laughs) to God. Let's say a word of prayer. Holy Father, I ask that you would illuminate our minds and our hearts during this very hour. That both Amanda and I, as well as all those who are listening in, Spread across space and time, that each and all of us would be moved by your spirit to hear or see your son Jesus Christ. That may come by way of a new insight, a new observation about the text, but at the end of the day, this is not about the text. It's about you as you have revealed yourself in Jesus Christ. So though we honor and venerate the written text, we do so because we believe that by your spirit you have sanctified this written text, this written word, that we may encounter the living incarnate word, your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. So we dare to ask this in the midst of all the other thoughts and feelings that are floating around our head, not that those need to be suppressed, but that they would not overcome us and overwhelm us beyond the gift and task that you have for us this hour, which is to encounter your son, Jesus, in the gospel about him. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for, yeah, for coming on again. You're one of, you might be, I think, the first repeat guest. Oh, wow. It's because you're special.
1: I'm special. (laughs) So uh,
0: what jumps out at you um, as we first... uh, just encounter the passage. I know it's a familiar text to you and to a lot. Yeah. Of, I know it's a favorite of yours. Yeah. But, so maybe something old that, that comes to mind, but maybe something new.
1: Well, the first thing that I was thinking about was how much this parallels an earlier story of Peter. I can't remember which one of the gospels it's found in, but but where he's, they're out fishing all night. They don't catch anything. And, Jesus says, turn your net. And, and I'm struck that this has taken place at the start and the end yeah. of kind of Peter's relationship with, with Jesus. And it's almost like, you know, the, the, the cheesy 80 movies that have the initial conversation, they come back to the end and they have the exact same comment. <laughs> right. Like, right. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: So you're saying the Bible's cheesy. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And yet no, this, no, but yeah, like
0: it's and, a storytelling device.
1: Yeah. 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 Though the, the, the main difference being the, do you love me? Do you love me? Question? Yeah. It's not just follow me. It's a question about love here too.
0: So the the connection back to
1: hmm.
0: Pat, it's Luke five. Maybe, maybe we'll come back to that later when we start digging in just to make sure there isn't other little stray, any other sure. random thoughts that maybe were kind of percolating in mm-hmm. your mind as we were mm-hmm. reading.
1: Verse two, he says the two other, two others of his disciples were together. So he's, he's going into to the names, even details, you know, called the twin who their father is and two others <laughs> of his disciples. Yeah. So seven disciples. That is
0: kind of weird. Seven, which Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. strange, Mm -hmm. right? You don't get your full 12.
1: Yeah. And apparently it took six of them to haul in the fish, uh, the fish that Peter could carry all by himself. I didn't catch that before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't even haul it in.
1: Yeah. And then Peter comes picking up all 153 of the large fish.
0: Yes. I think it's, I think it's saying all six even couldn't. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So apparently, uh. Peter has a uh, fishing superpowers <laughs> <laughs> or as is often the case with John and, or there's something else going on there. <laughs> right.
1: Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Okay. This is good. I, I always like it. sometimes the first phase of exegetical work can, can be a little doll.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but like, like you have to be okay with that. Like you want to like, sometimes if I run with the first thing I observe Uh that ends up becoming a distraction. Yeah. Maybe not. Um, so I'm just going to rant. I'm just going to list off what we've got here in terms of observations so far from you. We had the connection to Luke five, to the beginning of the story, specifically around Peter. We had the listing of seven disciples, five named two unnamed. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. um, And then this dragging dynamic, right? Where that means there would be six left in the boat, right? Six who couldn't drag. And then Peter drags in, um, I, something else percolating. It looks like it. Well, I'm
1: I'm just more of a a methodology, um, comment here. When I read the scripture, I tend to not go in order. (laughs) I tend to to read it and I, and I, and I grab onto the things that capture my attention first. So I'm going from the first, the first verse, and then down to the, um, uh, the disciple to whom Jesus loved. I'm curious why they're fishing. Hmm, yeah. I mean, is this a, a, a return back to their life pre-Jesus? Just this pronouncement. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And how, how general of a statement that is, is that? Is this him saying, you know, uh, after the events of Easter saying, I'm going back to my job mm-hmm. or it's like they're waiting around and he's kind of like, Screw this, I'm going fishing. You know, it's a kind yeah. of a like a just a spur of the moment.
1: Or if he's expecting Jesus to show up. Maybe he's thinking of all the times <laughs> Jesus appeared to them on water or had some kind of fish-related miracle. Oh, that's Maybe he's trying to play thought. Jesus' hand here.
0: <laughs> yeah, it didn't even occur to me. Well, whether that's inten- intended in the mind of the character or not, um, it's what happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Whatever the intent. That's fascinating. Yeah.
1: Had they not gone fishing, would Jesus have appeared some other way?
0: Yeah. Well, perhaps, but man, this was too perfect.
1: You know, yeah, yeah. This
0: was too perfect. Well, that's striking. We will go with you. Yeah, I'm going fishing. And then they're just like, okay, we're coming with you. You know, because mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. like he doesn't even invite them. Like, right. There's a little sudden part of me as a kind of introvert and someone who <laughs> really likes manual labor as my introvert activity. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh.
1: It's
0: like you know, someone's like, oh, I'll come along. You're like, dang it. Great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh six tagalongs. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh in the fourth verse here, just as day was breaking, I, I see a parallel there mm. even with the resurrection, yeah. you know, the, the while it was still dark type comments that Jesus is appearing while day is breaking. It's not day quite yet.
0: Um, yeah. That's that is striking. I was glancing over at chapter twenty. Mary Magdalene, right? While it's still dark, it says, mm-hmm. but here the, the, the proeos, right? Is it verse four? Um, just as day was breaking, that's definitely the word that appears over in some of the other gospels. That's really common mm-hmm. in the, well, in the Easter stories. Okay. Um, and yeah, no, I think you're dead right to sort of think of this as having some of the, for lack of a better term, like the tropes of an Easter Appearance narrative,
1: Uh-huh. you know, mm-hmm.
0: like they all, there's certain little things, yeah, right? You have a bunch of them take place early in the morning, not only, but that's a kind of mm-hmm. recurring theme. Mm-hmm. You have some gathering of disciples. There's, there's, um, very few, I, I, on, off the top of my head, I can only think of one appearance to an individual. It's Mary Magdalene, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep, there's yep, reference yep. to an appearance to Peter in mm-hmm. Luke 24, but it's not narrated. Okay. It's just referenced. You get the two guys in Emmaus, but it's two, right? Yeah. So you get a gathering of disciples, but it's usually a gathering of some kind. Um and and they're in some kind of mundane context, and he like just boom, shows up, right? Like that's clearly right. Uh, right. and then there's the not recognizing him at first. That's a common that's yeah. almost every Easter story has yes. that dynamic, yes. right? And even when they do recognize him, they're unsure. They think, is it a ghost? Da-da-da, right? So and you even have him speaking. They still haven't recognized him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So I, I wonder and what eating, it was.
0: Food, meals. Right. Yeah. Also, also yeah. a recurring thing. Sorry to cut you off. Just, no, you're okay. So you've seen so many of these, these tropes, mm-hmm. Easter mm-hmm. tropes, I'm going to call them for lack of a better term, but yeah, yeah go ahead. What we're going to say,
1: I wonder how John recognized him or excuse me, the disciple Jesus uh, loved recognized <laughs> him.
0: Doesn't say <laughs> it's John.
1: <laughs> Do we have any other other places where people recognize Jesus without him saying who he was?
0: Yeah. So, well, let's stick in John.
1: Okay. Right. Uh
0: Uh, In this gospel, the fourth gospel, um, you have uh, the Mary scene. Sure. He says her name. name. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't, Mm -hmm. the revealing or in the Luke 24, the other most famous recognition scene where they recognized him at the breaking of the bread. Yeah. Right. So there's some kind of action so so in 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 there's the breaking of the bread there's the in Luke 24 in John 20 you have the saying of his name mm-hmm. perhaps the sheep know my name mm-hmm. Right. And here it's, where, where does it happen?
1: Children, do you have any fish?
0: Yeah. That's not, when does he recognize though?
1: Uh, that's uh, what he John, says. Yeah. So John recognized him. Oh, <laughs> the disciple Jesus loves, recognizes him. Verse seven.
0: Right. But what happens right before that is what He's I'm trying to figure out. So look at six, maybe. I don't know.
1: So he gets um, instructions. Cast on the right side and uh-huh, you will find uh-huh, some. Uh-huh.
0: Okay. And they did. And then did. they did it. Right. So it's like, I mean, is it, is it implying that the, that the catch is the giveaway. hmm Do they start getting the big uh cassinet? You'll find some. So they cast it and now they were not able. The huge quantity of fish. So is it the is it the miraculous event? Although even that is not self-interpreting. I mean it, it but you do get a vibe that there's kind of a could this be it? Yeah. Could this be him that just spoke to us? Notice who he says it to, though. He says it to Peter. As if like as if he's kinda like Hey, Peter, you go do something about this. I see it. <laughs> you, you
1: know. Uh, where, where, where? Are in you verse, about seven, here? verse seven.
0: The disciple whom Jesus oh, loved sure. okay. said to Peter,
1: uh huh,
0: uh huh, it is the Lord. I'm, I'm thinking of like when Peter leans on his, in John 13 and is like, you know, will you ask Jesus? You know? Yeah. And then he's like, who is it, Lord? Right? There's this <laughs> yeah. kind of, uh huh, uh huh. Sometimes Peter's knowledge and yeah, his his faith and his knowledge are, are often kind of mediated through this beloved disciple, right? Yeah, who's the first one to believe back at the beginning of chapter twenty, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. right? Right.
0: Although the, Peter's the first one to go in, right? We always get the vibe that Peter's the man of action, yes, right? Yes. Um, whereas maybe the beloved disciple is a man of a vision or something. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm playing on a on a playing a game there with oh the image, sure, but-
1: the disciple the beloved disciple sees the linen cloths. Peter's the one that goes in, yeah, into the tomb first.
0: And then when then when the beloved disciple comes in, he sees and believes.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So it's like he's first in first in sight, first in faith. But clearly, <laughs> Peter's first in the water, which again has <laughs> reference to the which does not appear in John, but the famous story of him walking on water. You've got that same dynamic yeah. of 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 brazen Peter, right? Brazen <laughs> I, I, Simon Peter.
1: I wonder if Peter thought he'd be able to walk on the water. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Lord. <laughs> Wee ah! oh, crap. <laughs> I wouldn't have put my clothes on if I had...
0: <laughs> <laughs> That is a weird detail. It really is. Not that he's stripped for work. I mean that's just weird just culturally, but like like why would you put your clothes back on? So I don't know if they're in shallow water or if mm-hmm. it's just uh, you know. Of course part of it is the notion of like swimming is a pretty relatively kind of modern invention from what I understand, right? That's true. Um So I guess he's just planet he wants to you know have his clothes on when he gets to the shore i guess i don't (laughs) know it's bizarre it's bizarre yeah but how does he know it doesn't say it's i guess maybe implied but you could take it a lot of different ways again like you said do they recognize him all these recognition stories have that common theme of where Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of a mystery right it's like and there it's not like that's the first sign it's a it's like he's offering a few signs and Mm -hmm. then there's finally the one that clicks (laughs) um That's making you think of something. You're (laughs) grinning.
1: Uh, This is radio. It it made me think of 20 questions. (laughs) 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 Okay, we'll try this one. Now do they see it?
0: (laughs) That's Uh, what I'm saying. It's radio. You have to say it out loud (laughs) for it to be funny
1: for anyone else. (laughs) Uh, uh, Great question. Okay. So, verse 6, cast the net, uh, Mm -hmm. so they cast it. And then verse 7... Peter throws himself into the sea. I'm just curious. Are those similar verbs?
0: Mm. Is he casting himself? Bah. Yup. Ooh, good eye. Nice. Good catch. Yeah. So verse six, throw or cast Mm -hmm. onto the other side. So they cast. Um, Yeah, it's balone, and then ablan. Yeah, he cast himself. Oh, that's so much better, though. That's... Oh, it is. You, you want to leave... It's one of those things where obviously the word means something different, but the, the repetition is probably not accidental. Sure. Whoa! Never saw that before. Underlining that. Okay. Cast. Cast. How many do we have then? Um, uh,
1: verse six. They have it twice. Twice in six. Mm-hmm. And then
0: I have one in... Uh, one in seven. In seven. Towards mm-hmm. the end of seven. I think that's it but still I'm going to keep an eye out now yeah, though.
1: Yeah.
0: Ooh. Fishing for
1: fish, fishing for people, <laughs> casting himself. Ooh,
0: that's fun.
1: Hmm.
0: No, that does that 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 I I think we'll be coming back to that yeah, one. But I
1: think
0: let's so. let's uh let's take a quick break and then come back and maybe geek out and follow a couple of these bunny trails down and see where they go. Okay. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm with my uh, special guest, Amanda Drury, and we are looking at uh, John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. We th- read it, prayed, threw out some random observations. Now let's dig in a little bit, maybe follow down, follow out some of these questions, and see if we can get some maybe initial uh, thoughts on where to go. I mean, I'm totally with you, by the way, what you said earlier about. In terms of your method comment mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. like not going in order, like, no, 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 yeah. Like you jump around. I don't think you have to interpret in order. It's that you want the order of the passage to be is itself data for answering interpretive sure. questions. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So but I'm just saying, like, that's something to at least keep in mind that like the sequence matters. Mm-hmm. But just because the sequence matters doesn't mean that our own brains have to go in sequence. In actuality, you can kinda sometimes picture the whole sequence. As you're jumping around, yeah, you know?
1: yeah.
0: Um, but at least one thing that uh, that really struck me is kind of the way that 14 kind of breaks off the story, and this was the third time, yes, right. And then this continuation that's so clearly same day, mm-hmm. same event. It's at yep. the breakfast, unless I'm missing something. I don't see any no? when they had finished breakfast, right? right 15, right. so it's very clear, right? And 14 to me, so this is getting into some some analytical and historical questions that fascinate me that may not fascinate you or any of our readers, but I'm going to talk about them anyway and see where they go. Um, that first those first 14 verses, I could totally see those traveling around independently as an oral story, right? Yeah. yeah. It has a kind of standalone quality yeah. to it. It even doesn't even have a total other than some of the specific details, the dynamics between Peter and the beloved disciple, the basic beats Sound like a story that could appear in any of the gospels, you know? It's kind. of... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Maybe You're this
1: beers. is Peter's version of the event. He's like, "Oh, we don't need to talk <laughs> about that very <laughs> time part,
0: huh?" Oh yeah, yeah. So the way it, you know, because there are these floating stories that show up. There's a handful of these little stories that are show up in more than one gospel, mm-hmm. like in the manuscripts, you know. So there's that, uh, the woman caught in adultery, right. In John eight, and John was clearly a, a sort of problem book for the church where it was like. It was beloved from the beginning, crucial proof texts for the deity of Christ, which was the hot topic in the early centuries. Right. So it's like, they're not going to cut it out, but like it's total like difference from the other three was a, was a problem. Yeah. And you sometimes, and just things that are missing, you know, that that tend to sort of float their way Mm -hmm. into the book of Mm -hmm. John and, and there's debate around 21. I don't necessarily even want to get into that too much about whether, whether 21 is because of course... Things missing off the front and back of a pyre is pretty likely it's the thing that would get lost as the beginning or the end of yeah. something. So, you, but and the it's, way it's it gets not, inserted. It's not on
1: then. a computer where you're putting in the cursor to add something in the middle. I don't <laughs> want to
0: again. That's right. Although there is that insert in John 8.
1: Oh, that's true. But
0: it doesn't appear in most oldest manuscripts. Fun fact, it does appear in Luke. In some manuscripts. <laughs> so clearly, like, that sounds to me like an example of, like, a little story mm-hmm. that had been passed around. Yeah. That, that the church believed was true, mm-hmm. but kind of wanted to get it in there somewhere and didn't know where it belonged, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying that's this one, but th- the whole vibe has a kind of standalone quality. Because oh, yeah. it doesn't feel like it's the story that comes after the previous stories of Mm-mm. Thomas no. and the... <laughs> I don't know about you, but it doesn't feel like these seven guys have seen Jesus yet. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have the... Like, if you just chopped off verse 14, this would totally read like a first appearance.
1: Yeah, it would.
0: And, in, and you know, in Matthew, he doesn't appear to them until Galilee. You know? So here they are in Galilee, not on a mountain, but in the water. mm mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I can totally imagine that... You were saying earlier about Peter. I don't know who, who to, who to uh, attribute it to, but... You could totally see that there would be the, all these early Christian communities saying, no, no, he appeared to us first. No, no, he appeared to us first. No, he appeared here. No, he appeared here. Like that there would be maybe some even competition around, you know, the appearance stories sure, and how they sure. all fit together.
1: Or, or even they're, before and, the they're, scriptures, and they're telling, you know? they're telling their stories of where were you and such and so happens. Yes. Like that we do with, with events.
0: Oh, that's so good. Yes, 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 yes. Right. Because he gets the sons of Zebedee here, Right. Only time they're mentioned in the whole book of John. Really? Yeah. Um, And side note, back to your point about the seven, right? So we get Simon. Let's look at him for a sec. So Simon Peter, right second listed Thomas, Mm -hmm. the one called the twin. It's kind of like you better bet he's always going to be with them after what (laughs) happened (laughs) when he missed the first one. We get Nathaniel, who's from Cana of Mm -hmm. Galilee. So that's a kind of reference back to chapter one, Peter and Nathaniel were both there. Nathaniel was what, I think the fourth or fifth disciple. And then the sons of Zebedee, again, only appear here in John. John doesn't use that language ever. No reference to John and James, which is why people sometimes wonder. We keep calling it John the book, but even the book of course doesn't have a title, you know, so we don't know. Is it, who was it written by? You know what I mean? Um, and then, like you said, two more, which I love it because then I know you kept correcting yourself on the beloved disciple, which I think was good because it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. It, this is the closest you get to it maybe being. We know for sure that the beloved disciple is one of these seven, right? Right, right. It doesn't seem to imply that there's an eighth guy. You're like, oh, and the beloved disciple hopped on the boat. <laughs> like It's implied that it's one of these seven. But by having the two sons of Zebedee there and by having... Two others, he leaves it. Actually, It could be any of those four.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Mm -hmm. Or not. Sure. Mm -hmm. Although I guess it could be Thomas. Although the fact that the other named ones wouldn't make sense, right? Thomas or Nathaniel, um, since we've seen them. Right. Um, I don't know. I I don't know why I'm geeking out on this, but um, it just totally fascinates me, this floating story. And then you mentioned how it shows up in Luke 5, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You say it's kind of like a cheesy movie, right? But... That's a different book. Luke doesn't have this story. Doesn't have this story at the end. Yeah. John doesn't have this story at the beginning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know about you, but they sound like the same story to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Should I not bring this up on a
1: first <laughs> No, no.
0: <laughs> like, my mind immediately goes, well, which one was it? Should sure, this happen sure. early? And then John's taking liberties, you know, the way he moves the... The way that he moves the clearing of the temple to two years before Jesus' death, whereas all the synoptics put it
1: mm-hmm.
0: a week before he dies. There probably weren't two clearings. One, somebody's taking liberties here, which doesn't bother me one bit. I think the Bible's the inspired word of God, but they're they're not they're artists. They want to tell it the way they want to tell it. Yeah. Um, or is actually the John story the one that's preserving the resurrection vibe? And Luke's the one who kind of turned it into a call story. Cause in a way it's like, I, I think theologically it's the same truth. Cause at the end of the day, it's fishers of men, right. come follow me. It's the same. Yeah. You know,
1: there's the invitation in both of them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we can, we can get there, but I just wanted to pause a little bit here and, uh, uh, cause a stir <laughs> in our <laughs> hearers.
1: <laughs> Do
0: you have any thoughts on that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe there's just... Two events that look really similar, and, and Luke tells one, John tells the other, and that's the end of the story, and I'm making it more complicated.
1: I'm trying to see this, do you love me stuff, where, 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 mm. where that all fits in with this, and even in conversation with Luke 5. Because in Luke 5, he is inviting them to follow, it mm. seems like, with the implication that love would come later. Oh. And in John, it's, it's do you love me? Okay, well then, follow me. Hmm. Seems to be a different kind of, of pull to the disciple.
0: And even, even from now on, you'll like catching fish is different than feeding lambs.
1: Oh, sure. The imagery is yeah. different. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Um,
0: hmm. Not just the metaphor switch from fishing to sheep herding, mm-hmm. right? But also, the it, it fits what you're saying about just the simple come and follow me. Catching fish is just getting people started, right? Kind of, it's a mission. Yeah, it's a vision we yeah. use for evangelism yeah. a lot, right? Sure. Whereas feeding sheep,
1: oh, that's does sound deeper,
0: right? It does, yeah. Um, huh. And it requires maybe not just faith, but love,
1: Ooh. right? Yeah.
0: Well, you just had one. goosebumps. You kind of did yeah. a little. You wrong. can't see that on radio, but I, uh, yeah, got some goosebumps radio goosebumps. goosebumps. <laughs> we need a different word for that. <laughs> Wow, yeah, but I, that was just me roughing off your observation that the the language of love is absent from the Luke story. Yes. Yeah, well, whichever way this uh, these texts came to be... Oh, you know what? I think I managed to do this to you twice now, because the last time you were on was... Uh, um, this doesn't happen every week with fresh texts, but the anointing. Yeah. And that one's a, a textual mess, too, right? Luke has it way yeah. at the beginning, yeah. back up in Galilee, whereas...
1: Well, whenever you have a messy passage, you just bring me (laughs) in. Just call you.
0: I think you have have this uh, uncanny ability to be just kind of totally unannoyed by these uh, problems.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I...
0: I don't mean you ignore them, but I mean, you you, kind of don't... They don't phase you and you just kind of are like, yeah, whatever. And you just kind of move on. They don't...
1: Well, and, and there is the sense of this is the Bible. I believe this is the word of God. And even when these messy parts do come up... It it doesn't change my my overall trust of the trust of the book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's got to be an analogy there.
0: Well, it, 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 we can go find it later and insert it. <laughs> Let me run with this though, because okay. I really wanna I really wanna um, trigger you.
1: <laughs> so, like, oh, great, thanks, John. I've got a book on trauma coming out, by the way. <laughs> Wrong word.
0: I'm I'm trying to smoke you out. I'm trying to draw okay, you out. Okay. So. I've framed it sort of more as a historical problem of the textual source and the fact that these would have been oral stories passed around that make their way into text at a later generation. Okay. Let me frame it not that way, but as a literary problem. Okay. Namely, one of the first things that anybody ever says about this passage when I talk with them about it, including you today, Mm -hmm. is, well, you know, this happened before. Okay. But in the book of John, it didn't. Right. So from a literary point of view, that's like quoting another movie. Mm-hmm. And saying, well, this already happened to that character. Okay. No, it didn't. Ooh, that's good. For the church, it did. Sure. Right? But as we're interpreting this passage, I think we will we will probably run into misinterpretations really quick. Hmm. If we experience this story as a, oh, this happened before. That's not the way John tells it. So having put it that way, have I drawn you out? What, what Like, what is that? How does that maybe even change how we would read the story if we don't think of it as a familiar story to Peter? This isn't something he's seen before, at least as Peter's narrated in John.
1: Okay, okay. So how do how do we see this passage if we're not jumping to Luke five if we're seeing this uh, as Peter's first time experiencing this yeah. this interaction? You say you're trying to draw me out, or <laughs> 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 I'm failing. <laughs> I'm just like, well, okay. It was the first time he saw Jesus.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I know something popped in my head was the possibility, like part of it's just avoiding certain comments that we often make. Like, okay. how did he not know that this was Jesus? This,
1: oh, okay. This so obvious. Yeah. You even said yeah. that earlier. Yeah. It's like,
0: well, is it? I mean, yeah. in this story, it's not. Um
1: uh, Yeah. Hey, quick question. Go um, ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Verse five, Jesus said to them, "Children, do you have any fish?" Has he called them That's children weird. before?
0: Um, a little bit, not a ton. Um, he does it, but I don't know if it's this. I'll look. Um, he calls them children in uh in the farewell discourse. You know, like my dear okay. children. Yeah, but it yeah. might be a different verb. Um, I can take a quick glance. It's not that hard. Um. Having failed to draw you out, uh, you can make some other commentary on something else while I look it up. Hmm. I know he calls it once, but he might not – it might – it's Pidea here. It's, uh, you know, Pidea. Yeah. So.
1: Child-rearing.
0: Yeah. Students, young ones, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Learners. There could be something to that. Yeah. I'm not finding it off the foot off the, – off the cuff. But I know he does at least once, okay. call them dear children. I feel like it's right around that famous passage about, well, this is great radio. <laughs> um,
1: All right. Anyway. I'm a, I'm a but it, it is a little bit
0: odd. It is a little bit odd. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the whole attempt to draw you out was a uh, fail and I don't mind. That's no big deal. If it sucks, we can cut it or we can leave it in. Who cares? I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's
1: <laughs> the, um, the charcoal fire here. Charcoal ah. fire, fish laid on it, and the bread. Oh, man. Uh, I know we've had earlier conversations about this, about... Uh, where's the passage about this is the last time I'll drink of this until we're uh. in our kingdom? I mean, he's not drinking anything here. There's there's some clear Eucharistic elements, but uh-huh. there's but there's no wine.
0: Nice. Yeah, so it's, it's clearly signaling eating, right? Mm-hmm. But what does he say? I won't drink of this... Cup. i won't drink the vine and he says i won't eat of this the bread either hmm. oh but we never see him eat bread in uh-huh. any of the appearance stories we see him eat fish in luke 24 as well remember that he picks up yeah. some broiled fish and eats it
1: yeah yeah
0: right huh. so um if he is eating he's eating fish mm-hmm. as if like he's on a he's he's <laughs> he's on a, he's on a Daniel fast. No, he's, he, he's gluten, he's gluten free and a teetotaler until the, until the kingdom comes. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Although if he did eat with them, the the flip side is it could mean this is, this is the kingdom come him resurrected. Sure. So I mean, it yeah. could, although he, you know, there's no, uh, no bread, although it does have a kind of callback, right. To the breaking of the the breaking of the bread and the feeding of the 5,000. It
1: does. Mm-hmm. Even the fact mm-hmm. that they
0: just throw out their net and they get this huge catch, that, that parallels the the bounty of the 12 basketfuls left over. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That That is a weird number. 153. I remember reading commentaries on this before, and it seems like everyone's kind of like, meh.
0: Huh. Yeah. <laughs> huh.
1: The, the people that really seem to know what it is tend to sound really crazy. Yeah.
0: too. If you're too confident, I'm a little... Uh. Although, you know, numerology and astrology were just extremely popular subjects back in sure. back in the ancient world so it probably had some yeah some meaning but uh, discerning it is is uh, quite a trip um, yeah okay I'm gonna I'm gonna try I'm gonna try one more time um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right John
0: no I'm not cut that <laughs> uh, I'm giving up I'm giving up. <laughs> Well, let's let's take a quick break. Um, we've got enough uh, observations and interpretive hunches up and running. Let's come back and uh, see where we might go with this, okay? Uh, in terms of preaching, yeah. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my special guest, Amanda Drury. We've been spending some time uh, making some observations, chasing down a couple of many trails, a few of those, view those uh, rabbit trails uh, um, led nowhere, um, <laughs> as is the case. That's the way things go, right? <laughs> right,
1: right. But I have no
0: doubt that we'll be able to see where we might want to take this in a homiletical direction. Like, say you were going to be preaching or teaching yeah. this text, what what might be some directions you might go with it?
1: Well, I think this would be hard to preach in that. I would want to preach this in two or three different sermons. I mean, Mm. there's a lot going on here to try to get in, try to get in one sermon. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, let's
0: write a couple then. That's right. Okay. Let our listeners decide what to do with them.
1: Well, so here's one, the, the asking Peter three times, this Mm. question, even though Peter is hurt by this, it seems like this is all for Peter's benefit. I mean, Jesus knows the answer to this. Uh Uh, he doesn't need him to say anything, but it just makes me wonder if, if 20 years after this passage, when Peter is thinking back to his three denials,
0: hmm. if,
1: um, if he can then say, well, yes, but, or yes. And then Jesus, it, it, it helps him flesh out huh. the narrative,
0: Yeah, which
1: seems like, which seems like it could be a real gift to Peter in the long run.
0: But that helps Stephen acknowledge that in the short term, restoration hurts. Yeah. But it's a gift.
1: Right, right. right?
0: Reconciliation hurts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a gift. You're right. And even the way it's written, his answers, you know, signal the fact that, right, he says, you know, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And even the last, the third time he says, Lord, you know all things. Yeah. You know that I love you. Right. So, I mean, at the very least, it's sort of like highlighting. It, it's almost as if the the author has written it in such a way that it it's even highlighting for us. This is not about knowing the fact right. of love, right? Right? Yeah, Jesus does know. I mean, Jesus doesn't say, "No, no, no, I don't." Please tell me. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I know," but
1: mm-hmm. you know, and I
0: have something more that I want to say to you, kind of thing.
1: Right? Yeah. Right? And this conversation is happening after they've eaten breakfast. Mm-hmm. So the sense that that uh even huh. even prior to reconciliation here Jesus is still coming to peter uh looking to break bread with him, giving him gifts it's not it's not like a contingent okay, do you love me okay, here's some bread
0: <laughs> oh that's striking maybe one way of putting that um conceptually is to say that at least in in Peter's story reconciliation precedes restoration
1: yeah right yeah. his yes. restoration
0: yes. um into his office as shepherd. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't have to get all sorted out first for him to be drawn into the community. And furthermore, who takes the initiative? Christ who didn't do the, who didn't commit the sin.
1: Right. Right. That's good. That's and we good. tend
0: to usually think like that, right? Like, yeah. well, they did me wrong. If they come and approach me, right. I'll hear them out.
1: Mm-hmm. Or, or someone who's got this guilty conscience. Well, once, once I have restitution, then I can have fellowship with Jesus. Mm.
0: Uh, Draws him into fellowship first. It, it,
1: yeah, he does, and and Peter is eating before before he's going to feed anybody else. So we hear talk uh, about the starving baker of the, the 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 preacher who's giving all the spiritual food to others while he or she himself is just famished. And there's a um, an invitation here to eat first deeply with with <laughs> Jesus uh, <laughs> before then feeding the sheep. Do you feed
0: fish to sheep? Oh, I don't think so. No, Fish not,
1: Fish don't eat, no, she, she, sheep don't eat meat. Yeah, sheep are, are That, that would be a scary sheep.
0: No, but that's important. Notice he's eating something different.
1: Huh.
0: I don't know. I'm just playing with your metaphor of the, the starving baker thing to yeah, kind of yeah. say, like, you know, he's already broken bread at the table of the Lord. You know, <laughs> maybe there's something different that the Lord's giving to him, hmm. the fish. Yeah. But that doesn't, he doesn't turn around and say, you know you know, okay, now hand on these fish to others. Like he shifts the metaphor, you know, there might not be anything to that. Yeah. Again, these may have traveled as separate stories. I I have this hunch that they do. Hmm. Um, But the fact that in the canonical scriptures they're brought together, then we interpret them together. Yeah. But the shifting of the metaphor does kind of, you know, sort of lead us in a new direction because very much shepherd imagery dominates from verse 15 on. Right. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep,
1: feed my mm-hmm, lambs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a good metaphor in here for humility as well, uh, because, sure, the disciples are, are catching fish, 153 fish, mm. but, but they didn't really do that themselves. Right. You know, we, we would kind of be raising our eyebrows at the disciples that were like, look at all these fish that we caught. Um, I mean, so, yeah, they were they were involved in it, but it's um, but clearly they are not the source of of the bounty
0: yeah. No, their role is to draw it in. Yeah. To drag it in. They mm-hmm. couldn't and, and they couldn't drag it, right? Until Christ <laughs> commands Peter. Yeah. So it could be that, oh,
1: boy, that Christ's sure. command be,
0: yeah. might be what's empowering Peter as much as anything. Huh. Um
1: Oh, I like that.
0: Although the church does need a leader, right? The mm-hmm. disciples do need their even though he's failed, he is I mean, in some sense he's being restored already in that story. You don't just need the you know what I mean? He needs it. Yeah. But for yeah. us as viewers, actually for the other six, who maybe have been kind of whispering, well, oh, he did kind of deny him. I mean, I ran, but at least I didn't say I wasn't a disciple. <laughs> right? Right. Um, And the beloved disciples there, he stayed with them all the way to the cross. So yeah. it could be the other five are kind of thinking, maybe he's our guy now.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right? Um, he's taking care of Mary.
0: Yeah. So you could see, right, maybe some... Competition among the disciples emerging, uh, and if not literally in the story, surely by the time this is written down, five, fifty years later, competition among apostles. And after they've died, they are different churches, right, and who's right. the real? Who's the real church? And
1: well, and I know, I know, who's we're... the
0: real capital city of <laughs> Christianity? Right? <laughs> yeah. These things were already yeah. hot topics, and so you could see there's some tension here for the six of them. I think the moment he drags this in, he's in. It's he's yeah. Peter again. He's no more. He's no. He's not back to Simon. He's Peter now, mm-hmm. um, but Peter might still think he's lost it. You know well, what I mean? sure.
1: I mean, look at verse, I know we're not going to go into verse 20, but the whole, but the whole conversation where <laughs> Peter's going to Lord, what about him pointing the, to the beloved disciple,
0: right? Who was following, who them.
1: was following, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right?
1: Um,
0: go ahead. Where were you going to go with that? That was just a detail I threw in the follow,
1: uh, Yeah, the comparing, that? The, the comparing
0: and contrasting mm-hmm, the competition. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah. The competition. It's, <laughs> I wonder if it's almost like G- Jesus has uh, told Simon, okay, you're my guy. And he he just doesn't quite believe it yet. Mm. He's got a few more questions. It's his own. How can this be? Um, what about him? Wow.
0: Yeah. You can see this whole chapter as a series of questions, right? Yeah. As kind of. Yeah. Am I still, is the call still on my life? Right. Implied right. in his going off to fish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, But okay. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still a part of the team, but am I, am I the shepherd? You know, am I still a leader? (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and the yes comes in this complex way. He has to discover, Jesus doesn't just tell him, okay, you're good now. It's like, Peter has to discover what, what was, you know, there for him. Mm -hmm. Um, and it comes with this command to feed my sheep. And then, and then he gets the prediction of the way he's going to die. And then, you know, Now he's kind of like, well, what about him? You know, it's like, I don't know, I'd have to think it through, but you could definitely see a threefold
1: story here, especially if you did the whole chapter. I liked what you had asked, some of the suggestions you were making about Peter wondering, well, okay, is is John now the go-to guy? He was there the whole time, this and that. Because if you look at verse 20, I, I don't know why I haven't noticed this before. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also... The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? Yeah. I mean, there, there's no reason to bring up this yeah. betrayal element again, especially uh, after, especially after this, uh,
0: yeah. Cause they could have picked the statements. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the one the who, the beloved disciple, the one who Mary lives with. Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. Why the, that detail?
1: They're defining him in regards to Peter's failure.
0: Yeah. Well, Judas's betrayal. Sure. That's not the, oh,
1: oh, 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 oh yeah. But no, no, that. no,
0: but no, no, no. It still implies it. Oh, totally. No, don't scrap it. Keep it. Okay, say, say more. No, because there's a parallelism between Judas's handing over and Peter's denial. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also important that there's a distinction.
1: Hmm. So I think the distinction hmm. is
0: being highlighted, right?
1: Sure.
0: You didn't hand me over. You just denied me. Yeah. And I said you were going to do it. I knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? I knew from the beginning and I still called you, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so, and renamed you, you're still the rock. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't dismiss your, yeah, yeah,
1: huh.
0: yeah. But I mean, denial is not betrayal. You know, yeah. Denial is not handing over. Yeah. Um, but of course in that moment was that scene, cause that's reminding, cause when it says the one who is at dinner, who laid on Christ's breast and asked him this, it's Peter who asked him to ask that. So it's reminding us of their closeness, Peter and the beloved disciple, but also the, the closeness of the beloved disciple (laughs) to to Jesus. Yeah. He is closer. Yeah. And so Peter's jealous of this closeness, Hmm. right? Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Understandably. Mm -hmm.
0: And the author of this gospel is kind of not questioning that Peter's still number one. He's still the guy who drags it all in.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. He's still the shepherd. He's been restored. He's the leader. Yeah. Um, Nevertheless, right, He uh, that doesn't mean he's the one who always is uh, closest to the heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Maybe the beloved disciple is the one who has a kind of, a certain kind of insight, a certain kind of charism even, you know, some kind of gift that's distinct from Peter's gift. Yeah. Maybe.
1: Yeah.
0: No, no, I think, I think that's spot on. Yeah. No, no, I think Peter's own, in a way, the sermon that's that kind of is brewing between us as we're talking is it's kind of, I'm, I'm hearing one question beneath which the way I'd always preach a sermon. Right. Is it really has one idea and it just says three points as three ways of saying the same thing, you know, yeah, just the, the, hammer... the Daisy
1: sermon, if we're right, doing lots right, right, of sermons. Right, daisy
0: sermon. Mm-hmm. Right. right. You'll well, yours are almost always that way, but you'll have, I'll have usually three points and you'll
1: have, I've got like a garden. Of <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> right, right, right. right, right,
0: Uh, but I mean, I'm hearing this, the, the, the question, rising. And Peter in all these different ways is, where do I stand? You know, where do I stand with Mm, Jesus? Right. He's trying, he's seeking some kind of, um, affirmation, recognition, something,
1: Mm, right. Sense of
0: place. Um, and you see it recurring, you know, um, it can be comparatively, you know, it can be with Jesus directly. It can be in terms of his occupation.
1: Yeah. I I think this is my favorite story of Peter. This is where I like him the most Huh? because, um, it, it, it plays on my compassion. Like, uh, oh, oh, this, this poor guy, what's he been carrying around up until, up until this moment, all the other kind of brash moments with him, I can, I can enjoy or kind of roll my eyes at, but this one here, I, I think is very tender.
0: Tender. Yeah. That's a good word. Uh, yeah.
1: the question that I think I would be asking myself a lot with this text is what does it look like to eat breakfast with Jesus?
0: Hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: And even just drawing out points on what was going on with the disciples throughout this story. You know, what does it mean to go fishing in the middle of the night? What, is it, what does it sound like to hear the voice of God, to hear the voice of Jesus? What would cause you to jump off the boat?
0: Throw yourself. Throw yourself. I like that. I That's too. my favorite little mini detail from this week.
1: And, and I'm still stuck on that. I know I mentioned this earlier, but that, that the, they're eating prior to the restoration. I, I just, I love that. Uh, And maybe that's because of my own uh, knowing how I deal with guilt. And I want to um, even the score or make things right before I can, before I think I deserve something.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's
1: good. I mean, this is the, this is the prodigal son, the father hugging the son before the son even.
0: Yeah, gets his apology out. Right. That's right. And it's not even clear to me. I mean, we just had that text a couple weeks ago with, with Aaron. And I'd said there that it's not even clear to me that he actually was repentant. He (laughs) might've just realized where the good food was. Sure. Um, it's, it's the phrase he came to himself Mm. is ambiguous. It doesn't necessarily mean repent.
1: Mm.
0: Um, and the same can go for Peter here in a way we've noticed a lot of his character flaws are still showing.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. His competitive comparing his impulsiveness. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because the fact is, is I mean, now maybe, I don't know, this is maybe too far afield, but, um, his, his gifts are bound up with his flaws. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and so yeah, the are. assumption, you know, if you just, it's the weeds and the wheat, you know, it's like, you you don't want to, you don't tear out those flaws too quickly. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. um, those flaws have a place in the economy. I mean, there's their sinful form that needs to be forgiven and transformed. And mm-hmm. he's not like, Hey, no big deal. Deny me all you want. I mean, clearly there are. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, and I wonder if, if the, the coexisting of flaws and gifts, is maybe one of the many rationales for Christ's reconciling before restoring you know yeah, because yeah. it's like I want Peter to see and know he, that he is accepted mm-hmm. and drawn back in and that I knew that this was gonna play out the way it did yeah um and because I I want Peter to be Peter you know I'll be me you yep. know I'm speaking for Jesus right sure. Jesus will be Jesus. I'm the one who will bring in the 153 fish, you know, Uh at the end of the day, your mission is not, you know, on, in your own power. Um, so maybe this is to follow up your thought about how you're tempted to want to make things right first Mm -hmm. and then be reconciled to kind of have restoration. I don't know if reinstatement maybe is better than restoration. Yeah, there you go. Reinstatement before the reconciliation. If that, then... Um, undermines our opportunity for humility because hmm. you know, if we've made sure. things right, sure. then if we're reinstated into our ministry, we now do our ministry out of our own power. Because I made things right. Right. I've earned yes. it. I've yes. I've earned the right to be reinstated as an apostle. Whereas yeah. it's like, no, no, no. You still aren't good at this. <laughs> and you never will be, because that's not the point. I will bring the I will bring the harvest. Oh, I will good. bring that's it. That's good. You just need to be. Um, in the right place at the right time, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. obey my commands. That's yeah. the, that's, and cause I mean, almost everything that Jesus says in this passage, not everything, but a lot of his lines are, are imperatives, oh, right? Yeah. They're questions and imperatives, right? Yep, his first yep. line is, that was the other thing for this is an observ- observation for the very beginning that I didn't mention, but just note, if I just wanted to highlight just what he says, mm-hmm. you know, just, just, what Jesus says, children, have you caught anything yet? And then his next line is cast onto the right side of the boat and you will find some. And then the next command, I believe, is, uh, right, uh, bring some of your fish and add it into mine, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then come have breakfast. That's a command. It's an yep. invitation, yep. but it's, it's an imperative verb, right? Right. And then question, do you love me? And then follow up, feed. Yeah. Question, do you love me? Follow up, uh, tend you love? So questions. So until you get, and then, and then other than verse 18, the little prophecy there, right? Yeah. It's all, it's, it's all either questions or imperatives, right? The last line yeah. is follow me, which gets repeated. Yeah. Which is of course, now that is, now that is a reference back. Chapter one does have them. He does say, follow me um, to some of the disciples. So mm-hmm. that one is, that one. That's what I'm saying. Like, even though this story doesn't appear where it does in Luke for John, thematically, it's the same point. Namely. Sure. The calling at the beginning is kind of re reestablished at the end, right? And yeah, sent, yeah. And turning into a, a mission to the ends of the earth. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. And, and, and the questions and the commands continue there in verse 22. when Peter's asking, what about John? <laughs> right. Jesus says, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is, what that, is that, to that to you? You, <laughs> you follow me. So all, and, and those are the last words Jesus says right. in the book of John.
0: So other than this one prophecy in verse 18, all you get from Jesus are questions and imperatives. <laughs> Interrogatives and imperatives. Hmm. No indicative verbs, right? Okay, Except for people that, that,
1: that aren't grammar geeks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Most people. right. Like indicative is, you know, uh, running or is, oh, sure. right? Okay. Just statements of fact, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Whereas an imperative is... Do this. Don't do that. You could call it a command, but that's misleading because a imperative would be used for a request.
1: There you go. Okay.
0: Or it could be also be used for an invitation. Come eat breakfast. Is that a command? Not really. It's an invitation, but still an imperative. Or in Jesus, the, the Lord's prayer are imperative verbs, you know, mm-hmm. give us this day, but it's not, com- we're not commanding God to give us our bread. Right. Right. But it's still an imperative. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Um, uh, I
1: think it was Nancy Ortberg.
0: That's really striking me now.
1: Nancy Ortberg that I think uh had a great sermon on on this passage there. Um and just she uses the acronym of 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 witty what is that to you? Hmm. And um I don't know I heard that years ago and that's that's just stuck with me. Um it's come to mind so often. The what is hmm. that what is that to you?
0: Oh isn't that isn't there a almost same phrase back in chapter Two between him and Mary, right? Or his mother. She's not yeah. called Mary and John. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, right? What is that between me and you? Right? <laughs> yeah. Whole different vibe here, but mm. that just popped in my head. What is that to you?
1: <laughs> Woman, what does this have to do with me?
0: Yes. See, it's good to have an outline. It's good to have a structure, but I'm liking the way we're ignoring it today. It makes me happy because we're doing all our best Observations are coming at the end <laughs> after we have our sermon half written. But that's the oh, thing the, is uh, that's, that's it how it always works. Yeah, that's yeah. how it works. It's artificial to think you do exegesis and then you write a sermon later. It's artificial. Oh, my!
1: I tend to all these sermon points. I tend to write them on small bits of paper or napkins, whatever I have nearby. And then when I sit down, I'm almost turning my purse upside down, and I've got all these parts of a sermon almost mm-hmm. like a puzzle piece. That then it's a matter of of fitting them together and seeing seeing what goes first, what goes. Hence the what goes next.
0: tapestry or the garden. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the same. What, you know, what to you and what to me and to you, woman, would be the most wooden translation. Hmm. Um, Whereas here it's what what to you. Right. Um, What to what to me and to you, woman? It's it's you know, what is that to us? What is that? What is that between me and you? Uh, Does that concern us? He might be saying, or how is this a thing that's between me and you? Isn't this between you and somebody else?
1: Um,
0: Whereas here it's just the it's the same message though it's kind of like peter's trying to triangulate (laughs) you know what i mean and he's like nope (laughs) it's your problem you know uh and of course beautifully of course uh uh the mother of our lord just turns to the servants and says do whatever he says and he's just kind of like he's gonna come around yeah yeah uh peter has a different relationship than the mother (laughs) she doesn't he doesn't get to you know uh find out right right um what is that? What is that between you and me? Don't look left. Don't look right. Don't look around at the other disciples, right? Mm-hmm. You follow me. And there's emphasis. You follow me this time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um You don't have to put the, the pronoun in there. It's implied in the way they construct mm-hmm. verbs in Greek. So the first time back in verse 19, it's follow me, namely you, whereas it, so you could, you could translate 19. You follow me
1: mm-hmm. and translate
0: the end of 22. You yourself follow me. Right? Huh. It's like, emphasized.
1: Oh, that's, you that's follow fun. me that's
0: um, or put it in italics. You follow me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In other words, you can't follow for somebody else and how someone else oh, is following yeah. Yeah. and the promise I made for them is none of your beeswax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, boy. Of course. And then that just, you know, this is all just a setup to say, yeah. And this whole rumor went around that John was going to, you know, the, excuse me, the b- beloved disciple was going to live forever, you know, implying He's dead, <laughs> right? <laughs> or he's almost dead, right? Um, Peter's probably long dead when this is finally written down. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: okay. Beloved
0: disciples, almost dead if not dead. This is the his witness, whoever the beloved disciple is. The fact that John is so clearly the number two in the synoptics, you know, Peter, James, and John. Right. And Peter, John, and James, and Luke, and Acts. And the fact that he's never shows up is the reason why he's the best candidate.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Um, but there are other candidates. The, the, um, the text doesn't land and, and who knows, maybe the text doesn't want to land because it wants, it's inviting you to take up that position in the story.
1: Sure. Sure. Right? Yeah. That's at least yeah. how I
0: would take it as at least one of the layers of meaning.
1: Then The beloved disciple then repeats Jesus words when he's saying, well, of course, Jesus didn't say that, but he said, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Mm-hmm. Just that real emphasis. On that phrase.
0: Yeah, you're right, that gets the last line. Yeah, and then speaks in the third person. Wow, I love this text so much. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It it's is. it's actually I don't know, do you have the Tell me if you have this problem? Um <laughs> That's a weird question. Um Like I have the hardest time preaching on my favorite texts. Do you not have this problem?
1: No. I don't think you would. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like eating my favorite food. <laughs> well, it's there do it
0: and now there's the difference between you and me is <laughs> preaching for you is like eating your favorite food versus like this just uh total terror fest <laughs> that it is for me which is why i started this podcast because i get to do my favorite part of preaching which is the prep sure. <laughs> and then someone else can go preach because yeah. preaching is really hard for well, me but i y- love prepping
1: you know what else helps me with that is um is i keep telling myself i'll have more time to preach on that later
0: Oh, that's such a good.
1: Like I'll I'll, I'll preach on this again. Uh, you know what? Sometimes I've even written two sermons at the same time. Wow. So I know I'm going to preach sermon A, but sermon B is just percolating there, so I'll I'll jot I'll jot down notes to, and and then there's something relieving about that too, like it's okay, I can come back to that.
0: I think there's a whole bunch of our listeners right now who just have experienced like a total like anxiety release hearing you say that to kind of just hear the thought like, oh, I'll preach on this again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so what's the What's the heart of the idea in run with it? Yep. The other half of our listeners are thinking, well, you're a freak. I, I can't even have one sermon. And you have two
1: <laughs> every time. <laughs> and well, and, and, and that's, <laughs> I want to add in, too. That's not just the case with texts. That yeah. can also be the case with certain topics. Right. So I'm thinking of, of a friend of mine who, uh, who had someone close to them pass away. Uh, just devastating. And all of his sermons for about a year and a half kept revolving around yeah. around... Mourning around grief, right? He he needed to preach those sermons, but eventually he came to the conclusion: I'm going to have my grief file over here. Yeah, I, not not all of mine have to right. have to go down this, but I have a place where that can go.
0: Yeah, and that's true. I mean, a sermon like this can be about reconciliation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it can be more about mission and sending. You know, which is where my mind immediately went: is that the the symbolism here? This is John's way of doing great commission. Without ever saying it, right? Sure. Um, and those are both legitimate sermons. Doing both of those sermons in one's probably a bad idea.
1: Yeah, it's yes.
0: probably gonna be pick a theme, run with it. Yeah, you know. Um, and that's a nice thought. And actually, that's a that's a case for lectionary preaching. Actually, not not in a rigid way, mm-hmm. but in the sense of at least, if not lectionary preaching, churchier preaching. You know, sure. spending some time in the around Christmas and Easter preaching key texts because it's like. You'll get to come back to those every three or right. so years, you right. know? Um, and actually, I think this text shows up uh, almost every year. This is a common one not okay. to show up in the lecture. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's every year, but it's pretty pretty frequent. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I love it. I, I, I love what we came up I mean, to me, I, the, my conceptual shorthand was the reconciliation precedes reinstatement. That was my conceptual mm-hmm. way of putting your point about fate. But narrative, that means eating together before... Asking the tough question yeah, yeah. or something like that yeah. is the way to put that in terms of narrative. And our differences in preaching style would come out in the way that I remember it. Sure. I would remember it as a conceptual hook of three terms, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you'd remember it as a certain kind of narrative flow. The the eating comes before the whatever. I don't know the hand handle for the conversation there,
1: mm-hmm. the tough
0: conversation or something. Yeah. But that's yeah. really practical. You can actually say like break bread with people first, you know? Before you have the tough conversation. That's yes. that's for after breakfast. You can yes. even see that as the theme. After <laughs> breakfast. You know? Yeah. you know what? That's a thing to bring up after breakfast, right? That could be <laughs> a, a mantra even in a sermon. Go right, ahead. you right. starting to think of them.
1: Oh, I'm, I was just looking back on verse 12 when Jesus says, come and have breakfast. I know, again, my tendency it would be to come in and say, oh, no, 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 no I'll serve you. <laughs> You're the honored right. guest. Here, here, let me cook the food. And uh, um, Martha eyes. Right.
0: As Peter himself does with the washing. It, exactly. Yeah. Well, what does he say? He already has some fish. Did you catch that? Yeah. Yeah. You go and add your fish to mine. When did he get <laughs> his fish? <laughs> these magic fish? I mystery fish. Did he tuck these away after the 12 basketfuls? You know, it's so weird. <laughs> Although I always think of this as a fishers of men theme, right? This is John's version of that, right?
1: Yeah.
0: In other words, the, you guys are the fish I caught. Now you're going to go catch even more. That's how I would kind of picture the imagery. Isn't it
1: kind of gruesome then that they're eating the fish?
0: Well, it's just a, it's just a story on
1: the charcoal fire. <laughs> Metaphor police.
0: <laughs> Metaphor police, right? Yeah, nice. Well, of course, yeah, they're gonna, you know, they're all gonna die.
1: <laughs> like, isn't that one of the? Themes what is of the that book? to you?
0: Right? What? Yeah, if I'm gonna eat you, what is that to you? <laughs> well, it's uh, it's been it's been an hour. We should wrap it up. All right. So thanks so much for giving time. Yes. It was fun. Yeah, this, this was will, fun. Anything you got to plug that you've got coming up this summer that you want to advertise about or anything like that? It's okay if not. I just wanted uh, to sure, give you a shout.
1: Sure. Well, I'll I'll mention the Imaginarium, which is this million dollar grant that we've got dealing with uh churches finding innovative ways to minister with uh youth. I should okay. and I said with youth, not to youth, because gotcha. yeah, there's something something important there. So we should be having our website and some resources popping up at, at some point, hopefully in the near future. And then that um, launches
0: like officially like July maybe, something like that. But maybe earlier. Y-
1: yeah, probably a bit a okay. bit earlier. We're okay. pr- prototyping some things right now. Okay. Uh, and then and then I, I think I mentioned this last time. I've got a book on trauma and testimony coming out, and it's just m- slowly moving through the publisher. But it's got that other milestone of yes, it's coming. So um, I'm I'm excited about. Does it have
0: official title yet, or is that still TBD?
1: Uh, I am calling it trauma and testimony. It will have trauma and testimony in yes, the title or subtitle, yes. and, and your I, name. And, and, I, and <laughs> as I, have, the author. I have my cover all picked out, and I will. So I've got a strong mm-hmm. arm. Yay! To the editor and see if he'll get let the me rights. Use
0: it. Oh, funsies! Okay, so keep an eye out for that uh, that book and stuff coming connected to the Imaginarium, and that's a wrap. We'll end there. We want to give thanks to Amanda for taking out time and offering her uh, insights and her heart and her uh, preaching uh, genius to our conversation
1: thanks, this John. week.
0: Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Big thanks to Eric Fisher for all the great production work he does, as well as Tom Adamson for the music that he has donated. And yeah, thank you to all our listeners. Make sure to subscribe and uh, rate us and uh, let us know how we're doing and promote our stuff wherever you can. And thanks so much for listening. Have a great preach and a good week. Bye-bye.